0: Hook 'em up with E and Rod B. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. I woke up to the morning sky
1: first. Indeed, you should wake up every morning with E and Rod B. Five hours, five days a week. Austin's only local morning sports when conversation. However you find us, 1019 on the FM dial, AM 1260, of course, in the. Uh, Best and easiest way to find us, I believe, the Horn app, which uh, digital numbers are growing steadily and strong. Appreciate you finding it, downloading it, uh, touch of a button. You're listening to our show and all the shows here on the Horn, on your smartphone, in your car, at home work, also on your smart speaker. Also at hornfm.com on our Twitch channel and the YouTube channel, which is also growing strong. Talking all things weekend, uh, also all things Texas football, this game week Monday with Ian Rodby. And uh, we're getting it cranked up. It's that time. Do you uh, you played enough football, Rod? Do you get a little, uh, little butterfly e because it's uh, that week. It's oh, yeah. time to time to play.
2: Time That's to- game week, baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you're if you're a football player who played for at least a you know number of years um, at the higher levels like college or pro around this time, I think it's it's hard to turn it off. So I think kind of naturally you get some of those those same feelings from back in the day and get some of that same those same uh, butterflies. Hopefully not the bubble guts yeah, but butterflies. You can you can
1: uh, you can internalize and remember like when you go to the first day of camp. You're like, oh man, that's this oh is, man, this is the healthiest I'm going to feel for a while
0: before
2: uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: so I start knocking myself around and then you know then you get to this week and it's it's uh, it's time to go and it's time to go the longhorns are a 35 point favorite over alabama excuse me over rice this week alabama Oof. is a 39 point favorite in its matchup against middle tennessee we can expect, expect both teams to be very vanilla
2: i think you're going to see all three quarterbacks for alabama too i think you'll see i mean and and, and for texas the hope is that you see all three quarterbacks, right? The hope is that, you know, you're beating Rice so badly that you can throw Malik Murphy out there uh, and get him some work and then Arch Manning can get a little bit of work too. Remember, you still got the red shirt rule where you can play in four games, you can still red shirt him. So you wouldn't freak out about that. You're just trying to get him some snaps, trying to get Malik Murphy some work, uh, and then you're trying to get coin Ewers, you know, uh, to get him out there to showcase, you know, his ability a little bit, and then get the score comfortable, get the margin and the lead comfortable enough where you can take him out and get everybody some rest. That Bama game, I guarantee Alabama, they're going to intentionally, probably even rotate their three quarterbacks just to try to keep Texas and I guess any other future opponents try to keep them from getting an exact beat on what, who's going to be starting quarterback. Therefore, you got to devote. I don't know how many more hours of preparation to all three quarterbacks because you have no idea who's going to be their starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, and new offense, as we've said, new, new offensive offense, coordinator, new what defense. that's going to look like. And, uh, look, I think Alabama's always going to have elite lines of scrimmage. They're always going to be big and physical. And so, you know, the more offensive linemen you can play on Saturday, the more guys you can rotate in to get their you know, their feet wet, especially some younger guys will mm-hmm. be good. All the quarterbacks could play. Uh, and, look, I mean, I'll give Texas this. We haven't seen a play game yet. And— there are high expectations. We talk a lot, talked last hour a lot about, about the expectations for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, and now they've gone after Trey Lance to further fortify their their quarterback room. Uh, leave no no stone unturned, right? Well, it's been the same for Sark. The parallels are there, that Sark understands how important and how critical this third year is with all the coaching continuity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this this is the last of the big 12 years. It, it gets tougher from here, and you're the, your preseason favorite. And I could argue that Sark has left no stone unturned, right? The – the analysts that have been brought in in all three phases—offense, defense, and special teams—with mm-hmm. the experience, uh, you know, the, the and the, the here's what what's exciting for me is just an observer and a guy who's observed a lot of seasons and preseasons of Texas football. They they were going to be a pretty talented team this year, anyhow. But it seems like you give them credit for their due diligence in the transfer portal because all you've heard is Jalen Catalan has had a great camp and has changed the, kind of the the mindset of that back end, more aggressive, better tackling. Ad Mitchell for some people Mm has been the 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 star of the camp, like the MVP on the offensive Mm -hmm. side. Uh, Ryan Sanborn at kicker, right? I mean, he's had a great camp, and they're excited about what they have there. So they they got it. Gavin Holmes is right now competing with Terrence Brooks to be the starting corner. So you know you don't you know the portal's there to use, but at the same time, if you can add you know really talented players and really evaluate that to a high level, Mm -hmm. so these guys can come in and be impact Mm -hmm. players. The one name that you are that you have not heard. The only name that I've heard that that hasn't had a good camp who came in through the portal is the kid from Minnesota, Trill Carter. You he haven't heard our, much of anything. Yeah, that he has not yeah. you know, imp, you know, he's been underwhelming so far. But they brought him in for depth from that Minnesota team, but you know, the the, mm-hmm. the name you've heard there is Alfred Collins. That yeah. Alfred Collins had a great camp to go with Byron Murphy and that Ethan Burke. The second-year man out of Westlake has essentially won the the end to defensive end position opposite Baron Sorrell. Baron Sorrell.
2: Mm-hmm. that'd be um, really good.
1: So that that to me, that's when you're a healthy program. A, you're able to recruit at a high level, and Sark has done that he from has. the high school ranks. And then you're yep. able to develop those players. But now in the era of the transfer portal, you're able to to go get guys who can really become the separators in, in your program like the, the ad Mitchells can be a game changer because well now you' got another elite receiver potentially which just makes it tougher to deal with X, X worthy and deal with Jatavion Sanders in your passing game Jalen Catalan brings a, a veteran player in the back mm-hmm. end who can bring some physicality which you're looking for back there uh, Gavin Holmes so so uh, point being you can be you can go from a good team to a great team just by hitting on those portal prospects that can change the game for you
2: yeah you can and you just said it Sark identified areas. Uh, Of possible regression, or that he identified areas where they indeed regress. He brought the passing game last season after the season was over and said, We got to fix the passing game. We got to find a way to fix the passing game uh, because last season we were essentially, he basically said, they were underwhelming, (laughs) all right, as a a passing offense. And that included pass protection, that included drops, that it it was injuries to the wide receiver position. There were a lot of different factors that were involved in that regression. And I think he wanted to address that. And the way that he addressed it was. Depth in the wide receiving room. And you're right. He went after AD Mitchell. He knew he'd have Isaiah Nayor coming back. And that essentially is going to juice up the passing game now because Xavier Worth, you'll present the defense with a mathematical equation they just cannot solve. They can't double X-Man, double JT Sanders, stack the box, and double AD Mitchell, too. No, AD Mitchell will probably get man-to-man coverage, one-on-ones. So will Jay Witt because there'll be so much, uh, re- so many of their resources allocated to stop. X-Man, and to stop J.T. Sanders. If you're a defensive coordinator, that's definitely how you're going to build your defensive game plan, which means we expect A.D. Mitchell to get a lot of one-on-one coverage. I think he's probably been getting that in practice, too, right. which is why well, he's been beating like, it consistently.
1: Well, if you're doing fantasy football <laughs> drafts these days, you're looking at uh, the Bengals, right, and you're going to take Jamar Chase. But there's a lot of people that believe that T. Higgins is a, is a number 1 receiver for a lot of other teams, right? Oh, so now that. you got two of those guys, which makes T. Higgins valuable for the Bengals, but certainly in fantasy. Uh, because Jamar Chase is going to take the double team. T Higgins, T Higgins will be, play, will be facing single team. Why well, is uh, Ad Mitchell is going to be seeing single coverage?
2: Yes, he will be. I mean, that's, that's unfair.
1: That's a matchup you love as a, as a quarterback or as a Sark, as, as a play caller. Um, and, and as you said, Jordan Whittington and Isaiah Neyer. I mean, you it's just you. a mathematical yep. issue. Uh, one other note, then we're going to get into Rod's rant. Uh, congrats to the high schoolers that started their high school football season this past weekend. Uh, speaking of passing game for Texas, you see the, the, the Longhorns have a kid committed that's a, a four star player from Lucas Lovejoy High School?
2: Oh yeah, Parker Livingstone. Livingstone. Yeah, he's good. He's he's smooth.
1: 64190. Yeah. Lovejoy beat College Station uh 50 to 37 <laughs> and this dude had 12 catches, 252 yards, three <laughs> touchdowns. Uh also had a 99-yard kickoff return that was called back for a touchdown and he uh he threw a passing touchdown. So keep an eye on Parker Livingstone, part of the next year class. And congrats everybody—they got off to wins, including how about uh, Lake Travis, uh, Rod? They beat—they held off uh, Arlington Martin in a really low-scoring game, thirteen to six. How about the uh, the Vandergrift team right here on the Horn? They beat Dripping Springs twenty-seven-seven. Start Ooh, the year, wow. twenty-seven-seven made a statement. We'll, we'll talk to Drew Sanders, our weekly visit with the Vandergrift coach on Thursday. Weiss hammered Round Rock thirty-seven-seven, and uh, uh, how about uh, Austin High? And uh, At House Park Our Sony Point beat beat Austin Hive 24-21 uh, So we'll get to some of the big scores uh, Of the weekend But congrats to everybody who got off to that 1-0 oh, and yeah. start this weekend And one other note There was a kicker at Westlake, Rod Kicker at Westlake Because Ty, li- Ty likes the best lake <laughs> they, uh, He kicked a 59-yard field goal
2: 50 59-yarder? Yeah. In week one? Yeah That's so what we do, kickers and quarterbacks Westlake. They
1: won thirty-one twenty-one. Spencer wow. Barnett. Now he's a booted a fifty-nine-yard field goal.
2: What year is he? Do we know? I don't know what year. Yards. His brother
1: Charlie Barnett, I think, was the the kicker okay. before.
2: So he's got in the family. And of course, Justin Tucker
1: went to Westlake, uh, Sitting... the best kicker in the NFL ever. Ever. I was gonna say yeah, of all the time. Yeah.
2: Goat stuff. Uh-huh. Future Hall of Famer. Uh, so, yeah. My
0: the kicker my year uh, got a kick to field goal directly into the the line to win the state championship though. So.
2: Yeah, no, we shouldn't keep Not, not even as, as to... much.
0: Not as oh, much. My ear, like directly
1: into the light, and like the sun. It would have got. Butt.
0: It was Clavion Chase on. He would have blocked it regardless, but it <laughs> it went straight. It did it got like a foot off the ground.
2: Uh, that, that
1: dude's already in the NFL, isn't he, Calavion Chase? On. Yep.
2: Yeah, he is actually. You're right about that. Running around
1: the National Football League. All right, there you go. There's some uh, Texas football, a little <laughs> high school. We'll keep an eye on that, of course, uh, as we as we will. But uh, congrats. We'll talk to Drew Sanders on Thursday. But can we dive into Rod's rant of this nine o'clock hour late in the show.
2: Mad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody
0: stay calm. Oh, Everybody you've got do it do. now. It's time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to
2: your butts. All right. Uh, I want to talk about the Cowboys acquiring Trey Lance because I just think it's <laughs> it's such um, a healthy step for the Cowboys to take as an organization. I've pointed out uh, my This criticism of the Cowboys several times, even on this show, the short time we've been doing it together, uh, that the Cowboys have a really unhealthy organizational habit of just not drafting quarterbacks. They don't draft them. I don't know why that's been something that even prior to, you know, Jerry Jones taking over, they really didn't draft a ton of quarterbacks. And maybe, you know, going back in history is a different conversation, but in the last 34 years, and going back pretty far, Cowboys have only drafted seven quarterbacks in the common draft. I didn't go to the supplemental oh, this is draft. That's a stat
1: that is staggering.
2: Yeah, it is. It's mind blowing.
1: 34 years. So, 34 starting years. 10 years before Ty was even born.
2: Yes. The yeah. The Cowboys weren't drafting quarterbacks. It's only seven that I've counted in the last seven? 34 years. Seven of those. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, when you draft Troy Aikman, you're probably not drafting quarterbacks Yeah, for so a that, while. they did that in 89, 89. And then after that, basically, that starts this run where they. And they one really overlook the quarterback is, position.
1: One of those seven is Quincy Carter.
2: One of those is Quincy Carter. Oh. One of those is Dak Prescott. One Drew of those is Hinson. Mike White. Mike White's not a bad quarterback. They actually, when they do draft quarterbacks, they're not terrible at drafting them. They just don't do it. And to give you perspective, a little context on it, listen, the Eagles, so same division, they've drafted seven quarterbacks in the last 15 years. The Patriots drafted 14 quarterbacks since 1998. Uh, they actually drafted 10 quarterbacks while Tom Brady was still on the roster, and after he had won his first Super Bowl, they still ended up drafting. 10 quarterbacks after drafting Tom Brady. The Green Bay Packers famously have drafted 17 since 1990, 10 since 99, the 49ers, 12 since 99. My point is, these are other organizations, Yeah, you're going to swing and miss, because the truth is, they don't want to admit this, but nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterback. Nobody. The great, the late great Bill Walsh, who's probably more famous for his quarterback acumen, his, uh, his, his intellectual uh, thoughts about the quarterback acquisition overall. um, He famously said, very few people can coach the quarterback and even fewer can evaluate the quarterback. Uh, And, you know, this is a guy that spent his life trying to figure out to perfect the process in, of developing and cultivating the quarterback position overall. And Ron Wolf famously said, the uh, Hall of Fame former GM of the Packers, he said, I would drop the quarterback every year if they let me. When he was the GM of the Packers in mean, that 10-year span, he drafted seven quarterbacks <laughs> in a 10-year span because he understood way before everybody else understood it that it's the most important position in football, and nobody really knows how To evaluate, develop, cultivate, and coach quarterback. They think they have ideas about it, but nobody has a kind of a guaranteed blueprint or a guaranteed process that is going to give them success. They just don't really have that. So it's a bit of a crapshoot. And if it is a crapshoot, then it's like a lottery. And you can't win the lottery unless you buy a lottery ticket. And the more tickets you buy, the better chance you have to win the lottery. And that's quarterback in a nutshell. And that's why the Patriots drafted fourteen of them since nineteen ninety eight, and ten after they drafted Tom Brady because they were looking for the next Tom Brady. And that's why the Eagles have drafted seven in the last fifteen years because they know well I might draft the Carson Wentz and I might whiff on that one, but I got a Nick Foles and I got a Jalen Hurts in that group too. But I got to be consistent well, about drafting the, quarterbacks.
1: And in the Hurts case, it upgraded the position. And maybe exactly, you know, you were still relying on Carson Wentz to be the future, but you drafted this kid and it was a different guy. And, and that's it, the lottery ticket you're talking. About. I mean the Tom the Patriots never needed to replace Tom Brady, but they didn't know he's going to play till he's forty. They,
2: exactly, they so don't they were know planning. That. Yes, they were. They were planning on the right. worst case scenario happening. It's like, man, what if he doesn't work out? What if he gets hurt? We'll always have a an insurance policy. San Fran, where would San Fran be if they didn't draft Brock Purdy two years well, ago? They'd
1: be on the ago? hot seat because because Trey Lance hasn't worked right. They'd he be in trouble.
2: I mean the stat on Trey Lance. I'll give you one stat about him that's crazy. He he, he played the fewest snaps. Sorry, the fewest games by a top five pick. With the original team that he debuted with since 1967. So basically, no top five pick has played fewer games with the team that drafted him than Trey Lance. That was a one? disaster
0: of a pick. Did he play one regular season game? Who? Trey Lance? Lance. Got he had hurt? eight
2: games. He played. He had four okay. starts. Okay. But uh-huh. that's the fewest amount of games for a top five pick Real. with a team that drafted him. And look at what they gave up for him. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, you know, making the Stallion size. But guys, if they didn't draft. Uh, Brock Purdy in the in, in the last pick up the NFL draft in the seventh round, guys. San Francisco would have fired my boy Shannon by now. The only reason it would have been close, yes, because that would have been you just talked about it. Either. We're talking about now that Trey Lance trade has been potentially one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL. Yeah, but they got saved. How they get saved?
1: Well they drafted a quarterback. It's so not even they, guaranteed yet. It's safe not guaranteed, for now. But, but
2: the only reason they got hope is cause they drafted a quarterback. You gotta keep drafting quarterbacks. And there are so many reasons, right? This is so in addition to the quarterback, you should be it's a healthy habit to have as an organization, right? But it's it's the great insurance policy. Last season I think people forget, but I know a lot of uh, NFL GMs didn't forget. You had sixty-eight different starting quarterbacks in twenty twenty-two. That's an NFL record outside of the nineteen eighty-seven year where you had the replacement players, and I think they had like eighty-something starting quarterbacks then. But the, outside of that, this is this is a record-setting year. Or at least last year was a record-setting season for different starting quarterbacks. Sixty-eight of them. You had thirteen more than a third. Thirteen teams in the NFL that relied, all right, on three at least three starting quarterbacks. That, I've never seen that number so high. 21 teams relied on multiple starting quarterbacks last season. Hell, you saw two third-string quarterbacks starting games in the playoffs for the NFL. So if you're looking at insurance policy, insurance is something we take out on everything valuable in our life. Our life, our health, our cars, our houses. Why not have insurance on the quarterback position? That's what the backup and the third-string quarterback represent. And that's what the, the Cowboys did. So I love that they have a really good insurance policy behind Dak Prescott. Also... Even Jerry Jones said this. He said, quote, quarterbacks are a precious commodity in the NFL. He said, we should have one in the wings, a quarterback, on the come. When San Francisco called, I didn't want them to hang up. We want to we want to back Dak Prescott up as well as we can. You can't have enough quarterbacks. We'll see how it works out, but it's worth any risk that we have here. And he's right about that. When you start thinking about the, the quarterback position, this is why the Patriots did what they did. They drafted, I told you, 14 quarterbacks they've drafted since 1998. How many of those they flip like? a house you can also use a quarterback as a flipper yeah, they, they become got currency yes exactly cooper rush he's well, on a contract for two years he started four and Their are teams looking for a guy like cooper rush now you got trey lance you got him for a fourth round pick brian brought claims you had a second round grade on him so you already acquired value and now you can flip him like the patriots did matt castle for a second round if pick you can develop him yes. if you can develop or Jimmy, or you can no you still you still can flip uh cooper rush because this allows you to flip Cooper Rush. Yeah, now, because you got another that's what I'm saying. When you stockpile quarterbacks, you can start flipping them. The Patriots, they 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 traded Matt Castle for a second round pick. Jimmy Garoppolo for a second round pick. They traded Drew Bledsoe for a tie warren. They traded Jacoby Brissett, all right, for a Philip Dorsett. They traded Ryan Mallett for a two plus the Texans. Once you acquire these quarterbacks, other teams are going to want them. And then that is currency. That's a way for you to acquire more value. Green Bay was famous for this too. They traded Matt Hasselback uh, and got picks, traded Mark Brunel back in the day. Got that picks, this is what you can do when you're acquiring a lot of quarterbacks. So not only can they be an insurance policy, but they can be a flippable asset for you. Also, if you want a future franchise quarterback, keep drafting quarterbacks because it could be a Brock Purdy. You didn't know Dak Prescott was going to be your franchise QB. He was Viagra. He was a happy accident to turn into a franchise quarterback, much like Tony Romo, because you have been the luckiest and the most irresponsible team when it comes to the quarterback position in the NFL. And you don't want to be that anymore. So, there, And by, by the way, is also going to drive down the price on your Dak Prescott negotiation coming up for his next contract. And that's how the Patriots kept driving down Tom Brady's price. Tom Brady wasn't going to play hardball with Bill Belichick as he's drafting quarterbacks every other damn year to replace him. You don't play hardball like that. So it's so many reasons that this is going to help the Cowboys. And the most important reason, it's going to help the Cowboys immediately. He may not even see the field this year. Ideally, that will be the case. That means Dak Prescott is completely healthy and Cooper Rush is your backup. But this year, the Cowboys are going to play five games, two Versus, They have uh, four, actually, of those five games versus division opponents, two teams, the Giants and the Eagles, who have dual-threat quarterbacks who each rushed for 700-plus yards last season. You're also going to face Josh Allen later in the year. You don't have a quarterback on your roster that can simulate a dual-threat quarterback or an explosive dual-threat quarterback in on your roster right now in practice for your defense. That ain't Cooper Rush. Dak Prescott doesn't have that role. Usually, that would be your third-string quarterback. Remember Shanahan talking about how Brock Purdy, as a third-string quarterback, really impressed them a couple years ago because he was going up against their defense, and he was doing them dirty as a scout team quarterback. Same thing for Trey Lance. He's going to be a scout team quarterback, but especially when you have games against dual-threat quarterbacks, twice versus the Eagles, twice versus the Giants, and the Bills in the future, and now you have probably one of the best simulations of a a simulated dual-threat quarterback in practice than anybody in the league, and he can help better prepare your defense for those occasions. That's how it can help you right away. Rod's
1: rant. All reasons to like the acquisition of Trey Lance. I will say it's a bit disingenuous of Jerry Jones's <laughs> quote to say it's a valuable commodity. He's been the general manager not drafting quarterbacks. Yes. So it's hard to come back and say, well, it's a, we know it's a valuable Well, you haven't treated it like a very valuable commodity not. for a long time. Uh, but... That's uh, neither here nor there. It's it's for this year and for the next couple. I think they've done a nice thing here. Uh, we'll see. With Trey Lance, that move came out of nowhere on a Friday afternoon. Uh, by the way, it was Robert Griffin III, who also was a Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan player back in the day. He had a tweet uh, right after this trade went down that said, It's official. The 49ers' decision to give up three first-round picks to move up and draft Trey Lance is the worst draft-day move of all time. All capitalized. Could only re- only reason Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch aren't fired is that they hit on the last pick of last year's draft in Brock Purdy. Now they have traded Trey to the Cowboys for a fourth. What an unbelievable ending to his era in San Fran.
2: And that's why you got to keep drafting quarterbacks. You never know when you are going to draft the savior of your franchise. You never going to draft that that last hope because she's right. Shanahan and John Lynch will be laughed out of San Francisco oh. right now. Well, think
1: about this. They, <laughs> well, and you add to that if they if, if Brock you know I, I'm surprised Brock Purdy's so healthy. I you know he. He had a pretty severe elbow injury in that playoff game, Mm -hmm. but the fact that he's been given a clean bill of health and he's ready to go, because I do agree with this texture. His name is Niner Minor, but he says, I don't see how people can say the jury is out on Brock Purdy. He won two playoff games, and and, uh, one of them against a top three defense. How many has Dak won? He is a great quarterback. Well, the only argument about Purdy, and I agree with you, I think Brock Purdy is going to be fine this year. I think Shanahan loves him, and the system is built Mm -hmm. for his uh, his acumen and his style of play. Uh but same time, you know, that the entire league, including this division, have had all off season to prepare for Brock Purdy. They weren't prepared if, you know, the season comes and you're week to week to week and you're trying to make quick adjustments on the fly, but they've had an entire off season to get ready for what Brock Purdy's all about, try to attack his weaknesses. It doesn't mean he can't overcome it. It just means it's uh it's what the NFL's all about. Yep. You know, finding your weaknesses and attacking them. Uh, but last year you probably didn't know his weaknesses that well and he was playing. Agreed. Above his pay grade last year. But he played great. So if he picks it up and they got so many weapons, keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be fine. But, by the way, remember the uh, the 49ers let veteran kicker Robbie Gold leave mm, in free agency? Yeah. And they had a two-tiered plan to replace him. They drafted former Michigan kicker Jake Moody with a third-round pick.
2: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: They also made a trade for Zane Gonzalez. Uh, they seem to be in good place, but right now they don't have one. They don't have a kicker because those guys are both hurt.
2: Oh, and actually the injury luck for the 49ers too some of the worst I've seen for a franchise in the last 6 years so they got
1: them and Baltimore.
2: Yes, it's really bad. Year after year they always have really bad injury luck. Uh, that's something else they should consider, you know, researching, doing some deep dives into. It's got to be something they can do to at least help that issue or, you know, to try to prevent some of those injuries. They got to cuz they I would say that Shano, since he's been there, the 49ers have had more bad injury luck than almost any team in the league,
1: in my opinion. Well, Moody, the third round pick from Michigan, strained his quad, and the right? other guy, Gonzalez, kickers? kickers. You got
2: kickers getting hurt? Come on, man. Kickers getting hurt? You brought Both two of them, them in. Both of them got Both hurt. Them hurt last year in the playoffs. You know who never a...
1: got hurt, Robbie Gold.
2: Yeah, you Robbie a... Gold
1: was like forty and never got hurt.
2: You got a four string. You got four string quarterbacks playing in the playoffs last year. Do you think of anybody with injury luck like the 49ers? Well, the Cowboys. out
1: The Cowboys at kicker. Who remember they had the Brett Maher disaster last year? Oh. They didn't do much to address it. They brought they
2: have a 28-year-old uh, like rookie. They like him. Is he, is he playing the CFL or whatever? XFL. XFL. That's what it was. He's like
1: a 28-year-old rookie, Rod.
2: Hey, man. He's he's mature. That's your kicker. <laughs> he's mature. That's Get a 59-yarder in the game. Yeah, he did. I'm he missed out. one, too. He missed a long
1: bomb. But, that, no, they like his leg. And, uh, you know, you see kickers to be reliable. Just make extra points, please. But uh, right now the Niners don't have a well, kicker of health.
2: If you're going to play uh, like the Niners style of, of – of, Basically, style of football and the, what, what the Dallas the Cowboys Cowboy. want to play with defensive-oriented ball control football, you definitely need to make sure your kicker is those three is, points, is dependable those those on point. Yes, you're gonna be winning one possession games just based on the style of football you play. You know, and in the make NFL, sure you make
1: those extra points. Cowboys, the Vegas, Vegas. make those extra points hey we come back Uh, it is that time again we're at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour which means Horn Top 20 Countdown Ian Rodby's Top 20 teams we're in the Top 5 now at number 5 we will uh, reveal number 5 coming up and have a full spotlight and preview and our opinions on their season to come that's coming in before the end of the hour we'll play some Who Said That coming out of the weekend
0: Aaron Hogan Rod Baber Austin Texas Sports
1: uh, college football is back. We were treated to some games over this past weekend. Notre Dame a winner, USC a winner. Big slate coming this weekend, including one including that includes uh, this team. Number five in our countdown. The Bayou Bengals themselves. Brian Kelly's mm-hmm. LSU Tigers, Rod Babers. LSU Tigers. football. And uh, it's safe to say that in year one under Brian Kelly, the uh, LSU team... Exceeded expectations?
2: No doubt. I mean, to that, make
1: it to the Big 12 SEC no Championship
2: doubt. game? Yeah, no question. They exceed expectations. But uh, if you are really high on Brian Kelly, and I think we both were, we knew he was going to go there with that LSU talent because he's proven he can coach. He's a ball coach <laughs> and a program <laughs> can, builder. Yeah, and a program builder, and he's never had access to this type of talent before and now you're going to add this type of talent to a guy, as you said, who's a proven program builder, and he's a damn good ball coach. And I think he just proved that. that LSU's going to be a force as long as Brian Kelly's there. Whether you like him or not, whether you think he's disingenuous or he's not authentic, whatever, a family. (laughs) The Cajun
1: Cajun accent wasn't genuine?
2: It's not, but we know one thing that is genuine, his coaching prowess and his coaching ability. He can coach now.
1: Well, and the fact that he beat Nick Saban last year mm-hmm. head to head—that's that's a challenge he wanted. And as you said, with LSU's athletes, right, they'd be able to, you know, Ed Orgeron was, uh, you know, a flash in the pan and yep. won a national championship with a comet like Joe Burrow, uh, but they're looking for someone who can, you know, make them a consistent contender in the SEC. Yep. And uh, this was a good hire. Remember when it was Brian Kelly? A lot of people thought it was going to be Lincoln Riley. That. um well, they had, wanted to make a
2: splash. They were going to make a splash. They were going to make a splash. We I mean, just didn't know who it was going to be. But Brian Kelly, thats was a hell of a splash. Didn't seem like it was the right fit, I think, earlier on. That's why people were like questioning, that's not a good fit, really. Well, I think they're proving sometimes uh, you can force that fit a little bit. <laughs> Jaden
1: Daniels is their quarterback. He's bulked up over 200 pounds now. Uh, he was an Arizona State transfer last year and stepped in and was just brilliant. Threw for 2,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, just three picks. Led the team in rushing with 885 yards as well and 11 touchdowns. Rod, he's back and bigger. He's 6'4". A lot of people think he's the best quarterback in the SEC right now.
2: Uh, Yeah, and they might have, some people think, the best defensive player in the SEC too uh, with Harold Perkins. Yeah, He's just been phenomenal coming off of his freshman year. A lot of people think he's going to have a breakout year this year um, and end up solidifying himself as the premier defender in the SEC. So if you're talking about potentially the best quarterback in the SEC and then potentially the best defender overall in the SEC, that's where the that's the two foundational pieces for LSU to build upon this season. Yeah, Yeah, and I like I said I I think LSU, you know there's no doubt they have tons of talent. That it if you go look at NFL players uh per produced per capita state to state um, it, it, Louisiana is always in the top five. I mean, it's just <laughs> it goes like, every year. Last five to eight years, Louisiana is in the top five or near the top five. They have so much talent there, and there's not a lot of competition for LSU. In that state, they pretty much have their pick. And then Texas can come in and Bama will come in and Georgia will come in and take some guys. But they usually get the premier players in that state. That's why it's a big deal to Arch Manning, Louisiana guy, left the state to come to Texas.
1: Yeah. Well, um, look, and, and yeah. that offense has been offensively challenged <laughs> for – I mean, outside of the Joe Burrow year quite a bit. Uh They averaged over 450 yards last year. They are 35 points a game. For, for, for LSU and the fans, that's what's so exciting about Brian Kelly. Yes, they went 10-4. and mm-hmm. four. They lost in the SEC championship game to Georgia. They're not there yet. But if Brian Kelly, because the other thing Brian Kelly has been is a good developer of offense. LSU's also always been great on defense. Mm-hmm. So if you can combine the two uh, and and develop a quarterback like this guy, Jaden Daniels, uh, which they found in one year, he became their best quarterback they've had since Joe Burrow was there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're going to run the football. They have great talent. Uh, Kayshaun Boutte has gone at receiver, but Malik Nabors is uh, an NFL receiver in the future they believe and the defense is is anchored by harold perkins and and they're going to open with florida state this game is is coming up on monday week from today or is it the sunday night it's the sunday it's the sunday night of labor day they're going to play that game against uh uh florida state we had florida state Mm. last week they're a top seven team in the acc uh that game is in orlando remember last year was at the Superdome. uh this year it's in orlando then they play grambling state then go to mississippi state before they play arkansas they do uh, travel to Alabama after an open date in November. They wrap up the season with, with A&M on the 25th at home. So the schedule is navigatable, I think would be the good word, especially if they can get past Florida State, but that won't be easy in week one.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the SEC West. You I mean, The schedule's going to be treacherous, no matter which way you look at it, which way you break it down. Uh, it's going to be a tough schedule. But for LSU, that, to start versus Florida State, We'll find out everything we need to know pretty early about this LSU squad. One thing I love about this squad, you talked about how um, maybe in the passing game they got to find some more uh, s- s- consistent yes. weapons in the passing game. But their running game, I mean, they return, I want to say they're all four, uh, basically all four members of their backfield from the 2022 season. And then they added some transfers (laughs) or some guys who were injured, I should say, last year. They added them, um, and then they brought in uh, some other recruits as well. So they basically got a loaded backfield. We talk about bringing back the quarterback, bringing back all four of their top uh, four rushers from last year uh, and having like six scholarship backs, and they added two more. They got eight scholarship running backs.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's is that, that's that's the thing with Brian Kelly. They, <laughs> when I say he's a program builder, like when I, I always saw Mac Brown as a great program builder, yeah. right? Because wherever he went—Appalachia State, Tulane, North Carolina, Texas—he just knows how to build the program and meet the right people and create the foundation. And you know, Brian Kelly did it at Cincinnati. Gosh, what he did it like Central Michigan before that, but then he did it at Cincinnati, built that program, mm-hmm. that got him the Notre Dame job. He built that program. He left Notre Dame as the winningest coach all time at Notre Dame, which is a mouthful. And now, as you said, now he gets to recruit Louisiana talent, and he doesn't have the academic academic hurdles that you mm-hmm. have at Notre Dame. Then you can, you can recruit a better player. And uh, this this I think it's why Brian Kelly shocked everybody when he took the job. You know, he wants to be considered one of the best coaches, and he's a competitive guy. And where better to uh, prove mm. that? Than in the rigors of the SEC, and in year one, he played for the SEC championship.
2: Yeah, and you brought up, you know, that LSU has a history, just a program where they, you know, pro, they don't have prolific offenses yeah. right, throughout their history. They have great athletes, tremendous athletes, uh, but not really a, a prolific offensive scheme. Uh, they had that with Joe Brady, with Joe Burrow uh, under Ed and won the national title. But now with Brian Kelly, you're starting to see the transfer portal. It will be able to help LSU uh, tremendously via, uh, in terms of the quarterbacks, all right, in terms of being able to bring in top quarterbacks. Uh, They did it with Joe Burrow, did it again with Jaden Daniels, and also with Brian Kelly. Now, you just talked about he's an offensive minded guy. So those days of LSU just having, extremely high-level elite talent. Like, hard to watch. Yes, but but not having an offensive system that can maximize and weaponize that talent. I do think those days are done. Those days are over. You don't have to worry about that anymore, LSU fans. Uh, The concern now goes to more first-world problems with a guy like Brian Kelly. Is Yeah, can now you beat the best football programs in the country? The Georgias the Bama's, you know, of the world, that's basically your no, next no. step. And with LSU talent, you know you got talent not the concern. It'll be coaching that separates.
1: Developing and yes. then organizing said talent. Uh, now, look, that big game to start of the year. We know whoever comes out of that game in Orlando with the win is going to be in, a, in an advantage position. Because that, look, as far as non-conference opponents and non-conference wins, whoever mm-hmm. wins that game, I mean, Texas, Alabama, Utah, Florida, um, the, this is probably the biggest of the non-conference head-to-head matches. Notre Dame, Ohio State will be a big one because uh, if you can win this game for LSU, you, you now you're you're oh, you'll be in catapulted. And into, it's same for yeah. it's same for Florida State. Yep, uh, because their their se- season is, is front heavy. Uh, but the, remember in that game, defensive tackle Mason Smith. He's one of the top players on their defense. He was a uh, preseason All-American. He's not going to play in that game because. Uh, the the issue with the NCAA, right? They've, they've, and I, I mean, he was signing autographs for money before NIL was a re, a, allowed.
2: Before it was a thing? Right. He's just like, he's, yeah. Well, <laughs> now,
1: like right now, they, he can't can retro,
2: they can't retroactively apply. No, I guess to not. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, how about this? How important do they think Mason Smith is for the top 10 showdown? They actually, he told Yahoo Sports that they actually thought about and tried to schedule a zero week game this Saturday just so he could serve his one-game suspension in that game and then be available for them against Florida State. But they couldn't find an opponent.
2: You thought about changing the schedule yes. to make this guy available? Yes.
1: Yeah, he Holy said uh, moly. LSU exhausted all what? options in an attempt to restore the eligibility of defensive tackle Mason Smith for the top ten showdown against Florida State, including attempting to schedule a, ze- a week zero game, Brian Kelly told Yahoo Sports.
2: Man, that's I, I cannot believe that. Which means they they had to pay some school some ridiculous amount of money just to put them on the schedule, yeah. and then just, just hey, so like you're not them. playing
1: this week, come over here and let us kick your heads in so our guy cannot be suspended for the Florida game.
2: That's a hell of a compliment for uh, Mason Smith. Yeah, well, but honestly, that shows you that at least Florida State knows what the weakness is. It may not be a weakness, but where they're missing one of their best players, it'd be that interior defensive line. LSU brings eight
1: starters back on offense, including their quarterback and all five offensive linemen. They sound a lot like Texas. They come back mm-hmm. big and physical up front. Quarterback is back. Weapons on the outside. Uh, we'll see. But that, that Florida State game looms. So they're number 5 in our countdown. Uh, which, of course, will feature a couple more SEC teams on our way to number 1.
2: The concern for LSU, I do believe, will be in the back end. You know they consider themselves to be one of the DBU programs in the country, so they'll have a lot of talent, but it's unproven. Uh, in the back end, uh, for the most part, uh, so that'll be a question whether that back uh, that defensive backfield for LSU, where they can grow up and mature quick, or do they have to go through some growing pains? And going up against Florida State and that very potent offense is going to be uh, potentially uh, that could be a problem if those growing pains happen in that matchup.
1: Did we uh, take anything from the games we saw this weekend? Caleb Williams is still really good, and USC's defense is still not.
2: Yeah, they can't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a project, right? Their their defense is gonna be a project. I I believe for Lincoln Riley, he's hoping that by mid-season, the defense won't be a liability because they don't need the defense to be great. They don't need the defense to be elite. One that game of the best.
1: was 21-14 at halftime against San Jose State.
2: Yeah, they need the defense to, like I said, don't be the don't be a, a weakness. Don't be the phase that drags down every other phase. And right now, I think they're still in they're still pretty much in drag mode. <laughs> they they can drag down every other phase with them.
1: Yeah, San Jose State scored twenty-eight points on them, uh, and that that's not a great team. No, and they put up uh, almost.
2: Almost 400 total yards. Almost
1: 400 total yards. 200 200 a yeah. piece on the ground and run. So they were balanced, and you know, and that game was, you know, the, the long kick return in the second half really separated the game, and uh, you know that 21 point third quarter was the difference. But San Jose State kept scoring. So, uh, and yeah, you what you said, you wanted to see Sam Hartman in Notre Dame, number 13 in our countdown. He's a good player, He's really off. good quarterback. He's our best QB. He might be better than Ian Book was.
2: I think he will be actually better than Ian book was. He, I'm telling you, nobody watched him because he was at Wake Forest. But I got a chance to watch him. He was he was fantastic at Wake Forest. He really well, don't was. Throw
1: 77 touchdowns in two seasons in the high level of the ACC against good defenses. Yep. and not be a baller.
2: Thank you. And, and and now the talent around him, you could argue, has been upgraded at every uh, at every position because yeah, he's playing with look, better players. Exactly. Nothing against Wake Forest, but even the best of Wake Forest can't compare to you know Notre Dame football. So he's playing with better players and. Uh, he's already a team captain. He's a team look at this here's a great stat for you. He's been a team captain four years in a row. That's he,
1: awesome. he
2: just got to know he's, he's been voted to team captain. That's just rare.
1: That is rare. I mean, you, first you of know, all you
2: gotta be starting pretty much to be well, a team I mean, you, captain. To be a four captain, four captain a row. as a freshman. Exactly. At right?
1: Well, you know who was a freshman? That's like Sam
2: Ellinger. Sam Ellinger probably did that, honestly. Now I think about it.
1: Well, you know who I know damn Bam
2: Sam was probably in that category.
1: You know who was a captain as a freshman at Mississippi State? Was Dak Prescott.
2: Yeah, it's rare. Like, how do you do
1: that as a yeah. freshman? Yeah, and he's got good leadership ability. He's
2: natural. Uh,
1: right. Hey, so we'll come back. Did you get uh, tied? You get to see Jaden Greathouse? Yeah. Looking Watched good.
2: Looking good. Hey, man. He's my
1: guy. Jaden Greathouse. He's in, speaking of starting as a freshman. He played on the Westlake varsity team as a freshman. That's a hard thing to do. He's... tells you just how talented he is. And he's playing he at Notre Dame. And now he's playing <laughs> as a freshman <laughs> at Notre Dame and balling out. Now, so, yeah, he can that go. That was against Navy. That competition will get better when they play. Ohio State in a couple of weeks, but uh, at least for that first game, Jaden Greathouse was looking good, and Sam Hartman's the real deal. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll play a round of Who Said That? Who Said That? Who Said It? Uh, we'll tell you next. Ooh, I'm I'm Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said it every uh, morning here on Ian Rodby before the top of the uh, 9 o'clock hour, right before 10 o'clock? Uh, we've already played some good sound this morning, including Mike McCarthy talking about Dak Prescott calling plays on Saturday night. That was a designed. Uh, idea and a plan that they worked on in training camp, and he did it on Saturday night to a high level. Also, we heard oh, yeah. the uh, kid from California with the walk-off home run. Rod, how about that? In a five-five game mm. against Curacao, every kid's dream. This Jack and one. You know, when you're playing backyard baseball, that's the dream. Did top he, of the top of the bottom of the night
2: Did he showboat five, a little bit? Five, oh, uh, he did a bat flip. Did a bat flip? There you go. He's twelve. See? He's
1: twelve.
2: There you go. Did all the old crotchety baseball fans lose their mind on social media when the young kid did a bat flip?
1: The, who cares? That kid, <laughs> exactly. kid looks like
0: he was at least eighteen years yeah, old. Yeah, he looked old. But
1: oh, he's okay. he like six three. So he's not the, a the pitcher <laughs> for Curacao had not given up a home run at all in the Lily World Series, and he challenged him, and he got jacked. Damn uh, right. And California wins it uh, yesterday. That was awesome. Also, Victor Hobb talked about uh, taking home all that money. FedEx Cup. He's the be- best golfer in the world right now. Straight cash, homie. Um, got the Mariners taking first place in the AL West. That was wild. They did it with a sweep of the Royals over the weekend. Did you get to see the crowds out there in Seattle, Rod? They were hyped because they're getting behind this Mariners team. Who's they
0: should
2: be.
1: Just finished their best 50-game stretch in uh, since 2003. 20 oh, yeah. years for the Rangers, for them. Yeah, They've they overtaken had, the Rangers.
2: They had two double-digit... Uh, Win streaks yep. in the same calendar month. They were
1: thirty-six and fourteen in their last but, fifty games. Yeah, like
2: <laughs> who has double-digit win streaks in the same month? Uh, yeah, they are. They're on
1: fire. Meanwhile, the Rangers have gone one in the, one and nine in their last ten games. <sighs> Mariners yeah. have gone nine and one, and the Astros have gone four and six, and that's how they've overtaken those two teams. And yeah. Remember, the 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 Mariners were in the playoffs a year ago. So, I mean, they were there. Remember, Jordan Alvarez, the big home run that just shocked them late in the, in the ninth inning. And uh, the Astros went on to just take that series. But the Mariners, this shouldn't be a huge surprise. They can pitch. And uh, the young guy, Julio Rodriguez, is hitting like crazy. Uh, but what do you have? What do we have that we need to hear? Who said what?
2: Uh, all right. I got a couple of clips here. Uh, one's an NFL head coach. One's an NFL player. We'll play the head coach first. This should be pretty obvious who, who this said is. It?
0: I mean, I, I've, I always feel like I let Trey down. I mean, I wanted him to come here. I believe in Trey. I believed in him before we took him, and I'm responsible for that. Um, I didn't want to throw him into the heat of battle right away, but I thought he needed to play, so we tried to figure out every way to do that. I mean, if I can look back in hindsight, he broke that finger on a, on a helmet on that fourth preseason game versus the Raiders. I, I wish I didn't put him in a play that had him break his finger because I think that really hurt him in his first year and not only did it hurt him not getting able to mix in much but it hurt him in the practice time because he had to adjust how he threw and things like that which I think set him back for a second year Um, when we went into the second year we gave him every chance to do it we were going to make an offense that to me gave him the best chance to be successful at that time um, which we did do and when you do that you hope a guy can stay healthy so he can stay out there long enough Um, but that didn't last long it was the first game and um, after that. I mean I always felt for him and we continue to work with him. Um but sometimes things not just don't work out.
2: Um, who was that?
1: You that was your guy Shannon.
2: That was Kyle Shannon saying he let Trey Lance down. And I agree with him. I'm not being critical of my boy Shannon, but I agree with him. Only from I, cause I heard a quote from um from John Lynch and I won't we won't play it, but it was on KNBR, where John Lynch said, quote, this is a quote, guys, from the gym. Say, quote, we didn't tailor an offense that highlights a lot of the things that Trey is able to do, and I think he he grew from that. Well, he said I, we basically they, he didn't miss. They did not tailor the offense for Trey Lance, it was not a quarterback friendly offense for Trey Lance. If that is the case, then yep, you did let him down.
1: Well, we know he was <laughs> uh, he hadn't had a lot of reps coming into the into the game, and then the, as he said, the injuries and in, in back to back years just. You know, stunted any opportunity for him to play. And then, you know, circumstances changed. They drafted Brock Purdy, and he was so much better than anybody anticipated. And they traded for Christian McCaffrey, Mm -hmm. which changed their philosophy on what they were going to be. Trey Lance was supposed to be able to bring a lot of running legs to their offense. Well, they don't need that now. I mean, they've got Christian McCaffrey. They've got... uh, 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 they still have Elijah Mitchell at running back. They still have. Yeah,
2: they do. Uh, you know,
1: they, they always got to run.
2: Shannon will keep her. Well, oh,
1: and like they that. hand the ball to Debo. I mean, they don't mind doing that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get rush yards, and now they just need a point guard, a quarterback, which that's where Brock Purdy is. He's just going to distribute the rock to the best players on that team, and they have a lot of really, really good ones. But uh, Trey Lance now with the Cowboys. I'll play yeah. this for you. Who said this, Rod, uh, after their final preseason game?
0: Most congratulations on the win. Thank you. So you've seen him in um, rookie minicamp, OTAs, training camp, preseason. Have you seen enough? Has he earned the starting position, CJ Stroud, to be the Week One starter in Baltimore? Yes, yeah, CJ will be our Week One starter in Baltimore.
2: Well, who said that, Rod? You already know, D'Amico. D'Amico, Rod. D'Amico, baby, it's CJ. He was unwilling to admit it prior to the preseason, but now I'm glad they're just saying, nah, no, CJ's our, he's our quarterback. And I will say, uh,
1: having watched all of his throws, the first game was a little rough. Uh, he made some really bad decisions. He didn't have any help up front in that game against New England. But then since that, he's only played like in about three or four series. But every throw I've seen him make, Rod, has been right on the money. I mean, his accuracy just jumps off. I remember he says he's ball placement is his key. Mm -hmm. He went two for four last night through a touchdown pass, but the two balls that were were not caught were really good throws. He dropped one in the bucket to Robert Woods down the sidelines, perfect throw. And then uh, he had another one that Robert Woods, the only question I would have on Stroud on that play is he could have run for the first down and he said he threw it. And Robert Woods couldn't bring it in, but it was a good throw. So just love his accuracy. His question is going to be developing and reading and progressing through defenses, and uh, you know. But when he when he decides it and he lets it rip, he's as accurate as any quarterback you've seen.
0: Yeah,
2: no, you're right. And, and I believe Bobby Sloak admitted in that first preseason game they were extremely vanilla. There wasn't any of the game plan crafted. For C.J. Stroud' specific developmental track or his skill set, right. and I think since they've decided, all right, you know what? Let's let's tailor this thing specifically for C.J. Stroud because confidence is also key here. We don't want him going out there just because it's like, oh, it's preseason. We're gonna do basic vanilla stuff, and then your quarterback has disastrous performances and go into the season without any confidence. So I think that's why they said, you know what? Let's accelerate, expedite this development a little bit, and let's put in the C.J. Stroud friendly. Concepts, and they did, and he looks better.
1: Well, yeah. and that's going to be an offense tailored to him. And they think they're going to have a really good offensive line in Houston. They should, and they think that uh, Damian Pierce is going to be a you know a really good running back, so they have a good running game. And you build it. Dalton Schultz is a security blanket at tight end, so they got to bring him along uh, to be the franchise uh, QB. Um,
2: I got one more, but it'll take like a second. It's Play like it. eight seconds. Play we got it. this. Here it is. Uh, NFL player. To
0: describe the
2: season and the one eye. Super Bowl. Anything less than that, it's a
0: waste. Waste!
2: Super I don't know
1: who Bowl. That is. Who said that, Ron?
2: Micah Parsons. Oh. Second time this offseason where he's basically talking about Super Bowl or bust. Cowboys, Cowboys are Dallas, frisky, Cowboys. They're baby. They are, That's made. the way it should be. Cowboys are There you go, Ty. The way it should be,
1: baby. We'll get back into the embrace the hate conversation because apparently it's not politically correct to say embrace the hate for the Longhorns. Details coming on that front. And also, more on the Longhorns game week preparations. Steve Sarkeesian Game Week News Conference will a depth chart be part of the conversation today at 11 o'clock. We will preview coming back our final hour of our five on this Monday here on Ian Rodby. Hook them up.